Welcome, everybody. This is Tim. Just a little pre-announcement. This episode's really long, so it's in two parts, but it's because it's episode 100. So strap in and get ready. On with the show. Don't forget, part two afterwards. Hello, Tim. Hi. Oh, uh oh. <laughs> Hi, Ryan. We're here. We're here. And that's including you two listening. You are here. You are here at in with us. At in with us at Dismembering Horror. Episode, not just any episode of Dismembering Horror, but episode 100 of Dismembering Horror. Yes, 100. We made it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you all for getting us here. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, what? Tim. Don't I have to hit it a hundred times? No, that's enough. Oh, okay. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for getting us here. Thank you for being here. Needless to say, Tim, I'm just <laughs> going to be an excited ball of excitement. All today. All this episode. You're allowed. If if so much of the... Oh, let me say with the show, I got to give the regular thing. Dismembering Horror, episode 100, we made it. What is it? What is Dismembering Horror? It's the podcast show where myself, Ryan McDuffie, and... Myself, Tim Aslan. That's right. We talk about a horror film. And with each horror film, we talk about what worked for us, what did not work for us, and anything else we found interesting or noteworthy about a horror film. Yep, <laughs> that's it. After 100 episodes, we've we've got it down. Yes, and <laughs> and uh, I'd say the sort of two-tier two description after that is, which will be very um, applicable for today, if not especially so, is this is all in the spirit of being a couple friends watching horror films together and then as friends do in that sort of hold setting hands while they watch it and then hold hands after and talk about it get all excited about both it both hands two hand hold hands yeah close talk nervously clenched remember that time that she got her head cut off <laughs> in a cold sweat oh all that good stuff which time did no that's horrible yeah getting heads <laughs> cut off that's the thing about this too, Tim, as a good segue. Being excited about people, women getting their head caught off. How horrible. How terrible. What's what That's horror right. is all about. It's about going to these these depths and places which are sight unseen. And we can debate whether they should remain that or not. That's right. I uh I watched something the other day and there was a solid double leg break. And I told somebody I was like, oh, man, I was watching somebody's solid double leg break, and they looked at me like I was completely insane. <laughs> right. Which is... They're like, what are you talking about? Why are you excited about that? I was like, oh, yeah, right. <laughs> I have to explain this, don't I? Shit. And we'll try to do that today. And that's just a lot of people's reactions, too, when you just say horror movies in general, let alone the specific right. moments. And um, and that's sort Why of... Why do you like that? <laughs> that's sort of the other tier um, that brings us here is um, in the spirit of exploration, um, discovery, and then 
just as any archaeologist, the cataloging is just as important. Tim and I are here. Part of breaking down each episode is trying to get something educational out of it, you could say. Yeah, I mean, we're both filmmakers. We both come from the arts and the whatever film industry, I guess you could say. And I think I feel like, I mean, God, when how old were you when you started actually kind of like wanting to make stuff and and like getting into that? realm um since i learned people made movies uh (laughs) probably like at you know four five six seven somewhere around there yeah i think i was oh my god i was a little older i think i was like 10 or so and then i i mean i definitely was around 10 when i started wanting to like perform and then Pretty soon after that, my dad, who worked in a lab like um, at a university, like a research lab, he brought home a camcorder. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> Here we go. Let's yeah. make some stuff. <laughs> no, I know. Really, so many I mean our story. We aren't alone. I'm sure you're listening, too. It's just all about that uh, family camcorder, the world it opens <laughs> yep. up and the direction it sets us on. And that, that brought Tim and I here. Yep. And uh, we're going to mix things up a bit today. We have our our sort of formula. I said what worked, what didn't work, and anything interesting or noteworthy. We're going to more or less stick to that. So we got in the spirit. It's a retrospective. Yeah, it's a retrospective episode in the spirit (laughs) of 99 episodes worth of film. Yeah. And since it's in, in the spirit of 99 and just wanted to leave that that little bit more. And to be funny, we're going to be doing each of ours top nine for the What Worked section, our favorite nine films. And then for what didn't work, each of our bottom nines. And then interesting or noteworthy, we got all sorts of fun stuff. And, and Del- yeah, we're going to just fly through all 99 and just see if we have anything memorable to say about each each movie <laughs> specifically it's our uh it's our ode to indelible moments yep so maybe just as a, a summary up front though tim since we usually have some sort of overview this is where mm-hmm. we usually do our rating and our summary just as uh, uh words words checking up on something we talked about you know throughout this show but why horror why watch mm. it at all? Why does it lend itself to this kind of exploration and analysis? Well, now that it's been 99 movies, what do you got to say about that? I, I think, you know, to be honest, I think we talked about this in one of the first couple episodes, too. And I still think it's it, my point of view on this kind of remains the same. The, f- the first real fundamental reason that I think I like horror and I think a lot of people like horror is because what we're experiencing when we're watching it is something extremely primal, like at its core. And, you know, we don't live in a world and society that uh, sort of uh, not promotes, but because I think it kind of does in a weird way. But um that allows us to be in touch with the primality of being a human or just living on the earth. And 
by watching films where you're experiencing that and seeing people go through a very primal thing, just like life or death things, it, it's a reflection of our own mortality. And that's – I think that's super fucking important as a human being to be in touch with because you're going to die whether you like it or not. And as much as you might want to know what's going to happen, you don't. And so this is sort of in my – for me at least because I'm not a religious person, this is in a weird way another way to be in touch with that aspect of being human and, and to appreciate being alive. In a lot of ways. And that's really important to me. So for me, that's 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 like the, the main gist of it. Now, why do we enjoy watching people get eviscerated or something? I, I don't know. So, yeah, maybe, you know, you could uh, argue like it's the primal side, you know, kind of like you introduced for me. Yeah. It's I'll I'll second everything you just said, of course, in touch with our mortality and then for me, it's kind of just like under under the guise of what I already said, the sense of exploration, like those those moments that we talk about, whether they're horrific or more just strange and indelible, it feels like it's something that only horror can offer in that sort of way. Mm. We're like, even just culturally, I couldn't even say why, of course, like so much of we what we're saying can apply to great dramas, comedies, musicals, whatever it is. But for whatever reason, maybe it's just the historical place that horror has been uh, in film history um, or the way it's been looked at, I should say. It's always felt like it's somehow just underneath those other genres. I don't want to say in right. quality or rating, but in awareness or thinking about or if something's fringe or it's not. So that's where I want to be looking you know, at any given point. And that's what I wanted. That's what I'm interested in exploring in, in life in general is uh, if uh, you're looking right, I want to look left. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, 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 there's a part of me that thinks that horror allows a filmmaker and maybe it's not, it's not just film, but I'm, I'm thinking specifically in film terms it kind of allows for a lot of leeway. And and maybe that's true for other genres, but I don't think it's used as often in other genres. It feels to me sort of like in comedies, there's, you know, there's kind of a, a, a narrow lane that most comedies stick in. And there and that and I feel like that's kind of true for a lot of the the genres like romance or just straight on uh, you know dramas uh, romance what else is there action adventure um, <laughs> you know westerns whatever they feel kind of narrow in a lot of ways and that they, they're not experimental very often and I think that that horror really does allow for. A kind of like, look, we're already talking about a subject matter that people, you know, can get prickly about. Fuck it, let's push the envelope. Yeah, and I think that 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 feel that's exciting, and I think that's part of why things like gore or like shocking moments are fun because you are living in this unreality when you're watching horror most of the time, and it is a matter of pushing the boundaries of like 
exploration and excite. It, it becomes exciting because it's pushing into another realm. Right. When we don't have limitations on what's allowed, it can feel like we don't have limitations on the breadth of what we can explore. Exactly. And that that's exciting. Yeah. I think that's a big part of it. I want to be excited when I watch something. Yeah, absolutely. Because maybe because life in <laughs> I don't know. I think life is pretty boring a lot of the time and I really really work to reject the sort of like autonotom version of like you get up, you go to your office job and your mundane existence. And if you want not mundane and crazy, step into horror, right? Right. Exactly. This, this is kind of like what you're saying, but when I think of, you know, why her compared to other genres and thinking in terms of of conflict, this is more just kind of what you said, but from a different angle. Like you think drama and comedy, of course, like the the great ones it has to do because there's some sort of core conflict different people just question unanswerable questions that are there that's mm -hmm. that's this great storytelling or you know and then but but what horror does because like yeah what we were just saying there's no limits on what you can do and what's allowed in a way decide aside from genre constraints um yeah you can go <laughs> you see where i'm going with this tim well i think that the the what what i realized too and just like us kind of picking this apart the other thing that we talk about a shitload on the show is how you know a horror film is actually speaking to a societal issue in some way or another whether it be a psychological sort of construct or you know a cultural construct or or just sort of how people view each other as people it's willing to and, yeah not look away from the worst parts of ourselves Right. And that, to me, is probably the highest value. I mean, you know, let's just take – well, let's talk about it when we talk about the best ones, our, our top nine, because that I think you'll see that each – for me at least, I can kind of look at my list and go, yeah, there is an underlying sort of recurring thing that exists in, in almost all of my top nine that really is about that underlying thread of like – Hey, here's this part of society or culture that we don't talk about that much. Let's fucking talk about it. Yeah. And horror allows you to talk about it in these in almost a totally different language so that you don't necessarily know you're talking about it until you get done with the movie and you go, "Oh shit." Right. That movie is kind of actually just about this, you know, and thing. Because it is a movie, we can talk about it, you know, as as much as we may relate to That's things right. and they're so important to us because we see ourselves in them and because the things we're talking about are so important. We yeah. can, you know, it's vicarious living. We can we're in these situations. We can talk about them from a safety of it's always being film discussion. And if you're the person who the movie is sort of pointing at as like, hey, we need to talk about people who do this thing in the world, even subconsciously. Hopefully you walk away from a horror film going, holy shit, that's kind of me. And that guy was a dick. <laughs> like, I should probably, like, look at that a little bit And deeper. maybe when it's even not so obvious, it's these are things that are in all of us to some that's extent. Right. You yeah. know, we can't, you know, you don't identify, they're deeply buried. 
it's just part of the human experience that we're, you know, not just the interconnectedness, which we get into a lot too, but hey, yep. there's there's evidence of it right there. Maybe I'm scared of this. Maybe this makes me uncomfortable because on some level I'm not separate from these myself. Yeah, yeah. It's all cool. about making choices as they're forced to do in this film. Ugh, as So I, many choices. These, these films. Um, <laughs> anything else to say up front, Tim, on this topic? I mean, we could go on, but I'm ex- really excited to get to our tops here. Well, I think we should first... Uh, redescribe our rating system. Oh yeah, okay. Um, right, right, right. Our rating system, which we came up with after the first few episodes, was would we tell ourselves again, just two friends <laughs> getting together with the safety of it not being a podcast, even though it's a podcast. Um, <laughs> we tell ourselves to avoid a film, stream it, rent it, or buy it. And so over the course of this, you know, obviously I went back because we, we've kept track, obviously. And I went back through and, and did a, a calculation on – not a calculation. I just added things, um, which I guess is a calculation, whatever. So I, <laughs> I added up our totals of the 99 films we watched, except we didn't rate the first two films. So I think we should do that right now. And then we'll have a grand total uh, of of all the movies we've watched. Great. So, so, so ep- episode one, the babysitter. The babysitter. I just re- how would how would you rate it? It's hard Ryan? because like <laughs> I remember it so fondly that I want to say it as like I want to give it a rent it, but then I look at, but then I also just think, oh, this is also just a perfect stream it movie. Um, it's true. Just, yeah. And even it's made for Netflix. But honestly, just I think because what I remember talking about the that it was kind of like a match made in heaven, that story with the director, Mick G, and like <laughs> yeah. his stylistic touches that he brought yeah, to yeah. it, I think do make it as high as a rent for me. Oh, yeah. OK. I'm going to type that in. Ryan is a rent. And I know, you know I, I, I'm, I'm the same. I'm a rent. Because here's the thing. I would watch that movie again for sure. And it, it does rise because of how surprised I was at what it ended up being. And like, again, like you said, the sort of fondness of that. I, it's definitely a rent for me. So we have a double rent. Ooh, double rent. Yeah, great script. So here's... <laughs> Here's the note. We so because we we were sort of still exploring how to have a re- uh, a rating system in episode 2 and we we <laughs> we kind of half-assed one and <laughs> here's what it, here here are the results of our rating of this of episode 2 which which was the transfiguration or just yeah the transfiguration. You ready? Here's how we rated it. Ryan said very, very, very enjoyable. And initially he had said very, 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 very enjoyable, but then he took away a very. So three very enjoyable. Three varies and enjoyable. And then, <laughs> so stupid. And then Tim, that's me, said, totally worth watching, but it's a slow burn, so buckle in. Okay. That was my rating. <laughs> Let me put put this one on you then. What do you give it? 
man. The transfiguration. I almost wanted to give it's like... good. Yeah. I think it's a rent too, honestly, for me, because kind of what I said in my thing, it's like, it's totally worth watching. There's no doubt about that to me. I feel like I got to give it a rent too, just because we gave Trench 11 a stream it, you know, and, and I don't... <laughs> I don't want it to be next to there. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so having said all that... I almost wanted see. to give one a rent and one a stream just so the stats would be kind of similar to how they are now, but... <laughs> right, right. That's how I feel. Um, whatever. It, 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 uh, you said to me, like, don't, don't get influenced by your, your numbers. Yeah. Um, okay, so here we go. Ready? For the 99 movies we've watched... Ryan has said to avoid 11. Tim has said to avoid 10. Can you believe it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I'm actually, to be quite honest, I'm surprised I didn't say to avoid more things. Actually, that's where this whole counting came from is because you kind of accused me of giving less avoids than you, I think was well, it. Turns out I was wrong. <laughs> it's not the first time. It won't be the last. So, so here's where I think it gets interesting. Okay, so in terms of stream it's, Ryan said to stream 33, which is exactly a third of the movies. Wow. I said to stream 44. <laughs> so apparently I just live in mediocrity land. Yeah. Um, and then for rents... Kind of close. Ryan said 36. I said 31. So still close to a third on those. And then for buys, this one, I I mean, I get it. But Ryan said 19. And I said 14. Yeah. But I will say there are three or four movies that Ryan said buy because... Well, there are three. The box set of Psycho. Would you? I mean, you were like, I would buy all of those movies. Yeah, that's that's. But if you the biggest disclaimer, if you get rid of those, yeah, you know, because the, just as individual films, I feel like you would be a rent on those. Um, yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dif as, as far as maybe if it was a star rating and not this, you know, specific thing. Exactly. Yeah. And then, so if that were the case, you would have 16 and I would have 14. But there are a couple films that I was very, very on the fence with. So we would kind of be pretty much the same on buys. So yeah. this is all to say. And there's two, that, two sorry, just okay. two confirmed ones for sure that like I, at least I can thinking of now that moved from rent it to buy it too. So always changing. Right. Oh, definitely. So the only thing that I think that that boils down to that's kind of interesting is if you take the 99 movies in thirds, for Ryan in particular, one third was a stream, very close to one third was a rent, and then the remaining third was split into 19 to 11, which is essentially two thirds to one third within that third. <laughs> Yeah, two-thirds buy within the third, one-third avoid. <laughs> right. Anybody confused yet? Um, and, like, in a way, I'm I'm similar. I'm kind of close to the same ratios. I just have a higher stream, slightly higher stream, and lower rent numbers. But I don't know. I think that kind of makes sense that, you know, 
15%, give or take, 15 to 20% are buys for everybody. And that's or for both of us. Those are really good odds, actually. Like we complain about yeah. getting the slog, but I mean, I feel like that's what I we're... mean, that also means that, you know, for you, it was 45% were worth seeing again if they were combining rents and buys. Yeah. Um, wait, is that right? No. 55, excuse me. 55% for you. Yeah, and I think um, that's a shitload. Forty five percent for me. Something we brought up. I'll be interested to see, you know, how it how that changes in this next batch. Because I'm like, are we seeing a lot now, especially that are the classics that we've missed out on um, mm-hmm. because it's the first 100. You know, how is it going to go as the show goes on? Right. Um, well, I mean, statistics will say that there will be a sort of a flattening out of everything, right? I guess so. <laughs> Over time. The more you add, the more it sort of averages down. I don't know. One of my friends listening to this is a mathematician, so let us know. Tell us, mathematician. <laughs> all right. That's cool. No, that's fun. I love the I love the by the numbers. Look at it all. Um, Me too. Cool. So, okay. Anything else on those numbers or at all before top 10 here? I think that's it. I think we should get into um, the best movies ever. All right. So for first section, we're still calling it the same thing because it is. Let's talk about what worked. What worked? What worked for you? What worked for you? <laughs> it worked like a charm, Smith. <laughs> what worked? I think I want to say up front for each of us too, Tim, for what worked. This is so hard. This is so hard to pick. And this is only a snapshot of like this point in time. Like the ones that didn't make it, like I was, you know, up to right before we hit record. I'm like, oh, should I switch this out? Because I really feel like that needs to be in the top (laughs) nine too. I resisted that urge so hard. I was like, I'm not even, I'm just going to stick with what I got. Right. Same here. This is, fuck it. I wrote it down, whatever. I can, I can argue anything either way. So, I mean, I will say as a caveat too, these are barely in an order, you know, from like, you know, number one being the the one I liked the most or whatever to number nine. Yeah. Like they're not there's well, they're all kind of they're pretty much equal. It's like, how about whichever one I watched last is the one. That, <laughs> yeah, exactly. you know? <laughs> um, but even within that. So it was it was hard to break down. Like, I don't know, just to give an insight as to where we're coming from, because with horror movies, it's like you're breaking down. Okay. Like we already talked about these themes within the films, how important they are, or just interesting are they to us? How much specifically, uh, how are those themes presented in such a way where how much does it prompt actual thinking? You know, how much, how, what kind of avenue, how many avenues does it let me go down? Mm. Um, watchability as well as rewatchability. Was it incredible? That's a big one for me. Yeah. Like, like, let's say like, you know, for horror too, the one that's specific for horror, how much did it disturb or scare me? Is that really what we're doing here? And like, how, how high do I rank that in picking my favorites? I guess we'll kind of find out. Um, So do you want to kind of, kind of vaguely go backwards from like, you know, if you were going to say of these nine, the one you liked the least? Yeah, no, let's start our way start toward, with nine and go to one, best. of course. Okay. And cool. then uh, this last little things, like how I was rating it, I was looking at two, just how 
cool or interesting or unique the story was. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, the filmmaking itself was, was I just, how effective was it? How in awe of it was I? How much did it effectively wrap me up? And then yeah. just overall flavor. What, you know, what, what color crayon is it? <laughs> what color crayon? Peach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, or pick the name of the film. It's that color. Remember, remember crayons in the Crayola big, big box of Crayol- Crayolas yes. you had? And I must uh, have said this before because I remember you asking this before. Oh my God, did I? You had aquamarine, but you also had blue-green, but you also had green-blue. And that's why I use it as an example, because that's my point. There's There can be similar but different, and those differences Holy are shit. important. How about for you, Tim? What were you kind of swimming through your mind as far as how you're weighing these? What's important to you in a horror film? Well, in making the list, it was really just sort of like my my knee-jerk reaction looking through all the movies we saw like when i came to one where i was like fuck oh that movie i love oh i love that movie i want to watch it right now that was basically it right so that's how i came up with my kind of list but i did do an ordering attempt and these were the things that were you know yeah i mean for ordering it it, for me i think mm, my top five for sure are have a a similar kind of through, oh man, really my top seven. They all have a very similar thing going on. One of them is all of them are eerie, like very eerie, have mm. a have a, uh, a an unsettling current to them. Um, all of them, actually all of my nine, are really interesting visually. Mm-hmm. Um, even two of them being, well, whatever, black and white kind of. Uh, well, two of them for sure are black and white. Anyway, and and then also just like they all have, each one of them I can sort of go, oh, right, remember that particular moment that really got under my skin. Yeah. And that's, I think that's kind of it for me, like in my terms of like my barometer for horror. Like... There are definitely horror films where I'm like, oh, shit, it's crazy. You know, like there's this, you know, gore or this whatever. But these are all – it's a little deeper of a impact that these all had on both the sort of emotional level and the f- like cinematic execution level. Cool. So, yeah. Great. And then on top of all these reasons, I feel like for the specific ones or, yeah, for each film – there might have just been something that's unique to it that I'll mention as far as the why it beat, why, why three beat four or whatever, you know. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, All great. Right. You no. want to go first? You want me to go first? Um, shoot. I don't know. Do you want to like straw, straw, shoot for it? Yeah. Let's just do, do one out of one Rochambeau. So it's you go on, you go on go or you go on three? Um, on, one, two, three, On go. three and winner goes first. Okay, ready? One, two, three. Oh, no, we tied. We got scissors, both of us. Ready? Here we go. <laughs> One, two, three, go. All right. Oh, you got me. You papered my rock. All right. My number nine, Tim, was one of my favorite theater-going experiences we had. It was when we trucked on 
to the close by Los Fleas 3 and had mm-hmm. our minds blown by Mandy. Under the crimson primordial sky, the wretched warlock reached into the dark. Wow, Mandy's your number nine. Even more than uh, my, our minds being blown, it was our essence being blown. <laughs> the, the shot alone of where the evil cult dude's face changes into Mandy's like that <laughs> sold me alone. The music, the opening credits, the colors. And I'll, I said this in our episode, but I did rewatch this one just a couple weeks ago. This is my third time watching it. Yeah. The, I think I've done three too. The ending is like what seals the deal that when we tilt up spoilers abound for all these films, here's your warning. <laughs> we're, we're two friends who have watched these all. We're talking as such. We hope you joined us. Um, the, when you go up and you're just get like the confirmation that this world is its own world. Um, Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. seals the deal for me that Mandy's it it works as a title because this character who oh it's just so brutal when she's killed halfway through but horrible the whole movie is like just an extension of her her herness it's her spell that you know red Nicolas Cage's character is responding to and they got their thing going but then it's her spell that the bad guy just can't Mm. not I, in his terms, have, which right. is f- freaky in itself. And then the creativity that's on display of the creatures and the sort of melding of different genres in a way, like where it's, mm-hmm. it's a metal fantasy film. God, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure this one's this one's high on your list too, Tim. So um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna <laughs> expect you. I'm, I'm you know. As this is going to be, agree with all of what you've said. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, that's that's it, man. I I had to put it on on there, but um, we'll we'll see why it was beat by other ones soon enough. What was your number nine? My number nine was from beyond. Humans are such easy prey. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you gotta, you just, you have to have this. Um, Lovecraftian shit in my in my world. I just right. have to have it, and the like. <laughs> just the the it doesn't even matter that there's like flawed or sort of janky, um, special effects at times when there's so many. <laughs> sorry, <that's right. laughs> sorry. When there are other ones that are incredible, it it just totally balances it out. Like the design of the monsters in it alone is fucking incredible. Yeah. What other film do you have like a little pituitary gland? (laughs) No, it's pineal. Pineal, sorry. (laughs) Pineal gland penis as some kind of weird third eye like expenditure. Like it's so this one I this was one of the ones that's very sad to not make my my top nine. So like that's why I just wanted to say my piece on it now. And then that's also the 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 the, the core sorry, the four actors in it, like that just so good. Classic. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll talk about we'll talk about the actress in it later too. Um Barbara. So there's another thing that I'm sort of realizing. I don't know why this is, but there's there's a lot of pink in the stuff that I like. So that, I think that means Mandy is on your list, Indy. <laughs> well, yeah, no shit it is. Of course it is. 
I don't know what it is, but there's something really pe- like pastel-y like coloring in film in this genre of film. I mean, it's for kind some of reason, it's kind really of like pleasing to me that original synth wave retro wave it's just it's just the got the 80s thing going on which i know yeah maybe it's maybe it's just feeding into my 80s kid you know reality and i could see this one i mean yeah you said most of yours are eerie but this is the one that just struck me as like i can hear you saying it's just fun and that's something we really want you know what's eerie about it though and this is a is a you know element that i just love thinking about is the whole idea of other realms, right? Like there's this, there are these other worlds just on the other side of the fabric of our world. I fucking love that concept. I mean, like this is how I kind of look at ghosts as a potential, you know, philosophy of like what ghosts could be. Maybe they're a reflection of just another universe that's right, right there. And it's just like we're just bleeding through the fabric between these two universes and all, at times, yeah. like shit like that. All but all of that, anytime you get into other realms, I mean, uh, uh, one, two, three, four, f- f- five, six, seven of mine are have other realm aspects to them. It's specifically fun having it through through the lens of like a mad scientist though, that it's a matter mm-hmm. of flipping a switch, <laughs> you <laughs> <Yeah>. know? <laughs> yeah. Just get some tuning forks. You're good. And then like some, one of my favorite things always in horror films is people who go from like utter disbelief and, you know, to the point of being passionate or violent about you're crazy. This isn't right. real to then right. being confronted with it is real. Ugh. And like, well, th- swimming you know, dimensional I, I, eels, like, Deal with yeah. that, buddy. Well, I just had this. I had this realization too. Kind of what I was talking about. This these through lines of like what it's speaking to about humanity is that other realms really serve as a placeholder for the other parts of us, right? That like it's an exploration of a different version of us, or or of like a proclivity that we have that we're we're hiding or or ignoring or whatever, and so like. That idea of being able to explore this, the quote unquote, maybe it's darker sides of ourselves or lighter side, it doesn't really matter. Just the other sides of ourselves that we're not used to looking at or exploring. I feel like that's kind of the the one to one that exists in a lot of good horror that I really like is that it's not like the metaphor of the other realm is really just a metaphor for the other parts of ourselves. And the the dimensional thing specifically, it's the shared part because it is just this singular totally. dimension that we all have access to. Right. I love that. It just it just is a brain sort of journey, you know, exciting aspect of of storytelling that I love. So, Absolutely. What do you got for number 8? <sighs> so, this was the um you know, I revisited a lot of these films uh, recently, three of them I watched last night in anticipation. This was three of three that I watched last night. So at its uh, the the darkest hour, it's it's one that I had seen before and was excited to review on the show from 1934. Ooh, the Black Cat. Did you ever hear of Satanism, the worship of the devil, of evil? With Bella Lugosi. Directed by Edgar Ulmer and Boris Karloff. Sorry. Um, But this, it's like when I said the story elements are huge for me. 
like just look at what's going on in this movie. I can't think of another movie where you have like this 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 old rivalry between these two like <laughs> you know unique greats amongst the horror genre who right. are just just doing everything they can. Like it has one of my favorite lines in anything ever, which is, you know, Boris, uh, no, no, it's Bela Lugosi, of course, when he says, Super supernatural, perhaps, baloney, perhaps not. There's many things <laughs> under the sun. And the thing like, <laughs> no one else can pull off that line in existence other than right. Bela Lugosi, and we have it, <laughs> you know? Yep. But you have crazed Boris Karloff, like who's, keeping women trapped like in his elaborate dungeon that's built on a, a morgue from the war that him and his rival were like in together. And you had yeah. Boris Karloff's character was like in prison camps for 15 years or whatever. And their whole thing, like, and their, their tension between each other, it's like they can't just have it out immediately, but of course they do because there's these two other like just non-people pawns that the movie is, is self-aware about their dorks too. <laughs> yeah. Like it's totally just having fun with these stock characters. The ones like yeah. fainting all the time. The guy is a total like, you know. Man, I just remember them. They they huck that girl around left and right. <laughs> yeah, always carrying like on the poster. <laughs> um, but the, you have that rivalry where it does the the – so the points of conflict, you have them play a chess game where they're deciding the fate of these people. You yeah. have it culminating into one skinning the other one alive is like the big showdown. And then Man. you have Boris Karloff, too, is... Meanwhile, all this is going on the same weekend or whatever this is. He has all of his... He's a satanic like cult leader. And he has <laughs> right. all these other satanic worshipers uh, come his over. Pals. His pals. And that's the kind of scene where I feel like you can't do it at other points in horror history as far as like, I love, people always say pretension as a bad thing, but like I love pretense. Like you can't in another era load something with such pretense and then just have these class, like as use these two really recognizable classical scores and just blast them mm. like continuously and throughout. And every time it just works and it hooks me and I get so excited about it. Um, and yeah. so that combined with those the, those shots at the end, towards the end of the big cult finale, like that are the <laughs> canted angles and them simultaneously mm -hmm. putting the hoods on and off. It's like you can't we didn't, you can't do that anywhere else. And I, I just love it so much. It makes me feel like as excited as I am when I'm a, a kid playing a video game and it's got something that's maybe a little fantasy or creepy elements to it. And like, you're learning about the bad guy and it was just the biggest deal in the world to me. Like it captures that, that uh, appeal. Yeah. I, man, I mean, I just listening to you talk about it makes me go, why is this not on my list? <laughs> and you have the, <clears throat> and that you have like, it's personal too. Like, even though it's been a long time for him, we know uh, Bella Lugosi's character is afraid of black cats. So Boris right. Karloff fills his house with black cats. Like this has been <laughs> building up, like it's going to happen. Do um, you think that, do you think you could make this movie again? It's like a modern version of it because it's horror and you can make a movie now. Like I think now, you know, the reason this was made at the time was because it was pre code. They were allowed to do mm -hmm. all these things, you know, um, within the Hollywood system. And I think now you can too, you know, independent film, you can make anything. So God, I would, I, it'd be a really fun exercise to, to explore 
what the modern version of this could be. I mean, if if Un- if Universal gets their Dark Universe thing going and they're they're looking at some <laughs> of their lower tier t- lower tier titles, That's please let me let me remake this in 10, 15 years. I want to be the oh, one yeah. to remake Black Dude, Cat. That would be amazing. <laughs> wow. Um, um, well, you know, I guess, uh, number coincidentally, seven. yeah, number eight for you. My number eight is also an old one. It's from 1922, our oldest film, which is Hexen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This was another one I was wishing was in my top nine, yeah. Yeah, I think there's there's so much going on in the vi- – obviously, it's a silent film, sort of. Um, it is and it isn't, I guess. <laughs> it's weird because it does have a voiceover. Does it? Doesn't it? It's no, they're just or am I just remembering? I'm just remembering. I like created a voiceover in my head. <laughs> That's right. Holy shit! There's just the on-screen subtitles, and then just that classic. Score God, I feel too. like I can hear the dude being like, "This is this torture device from, you know, when they clamp down on the foot." I don't think so, Tim. But you're wow. What's I just th- made it up? Anyway, so just that element. Just well, so there's a bunch of elements, obviously. The the visual storytelling, that that there are these really, really well-constructed set pieces and the set decoration in it alone is amazing. And like the commitment to actually making the thing is so fucking good. But there's like practical effects all over the place. It's 1922. Dude, there's an entire un- like world that they build with like a sky and it's all in miniature. It's like... It's nutty. A little then, earth. Yeah, a globe. Yeah. There's also, there's like really fucking disturbing imagery. There's like the pig head guys and like just like there's all sorts of crazy sort of, um, what would you call it? It's almost like pagan. St- I mean, it is. It's pagan stuff because it's witches and it's, there's something really cool about witches. It's just the whole, the whole thing and, and just watching how somebody at a time when filmmaking was not even a thing yeah create something if you know what it feels like it feels like they they like magically just manifested the thing out of thin air well what they were doing is they had that love of all these stories and just kind of the i don't know what's the word this the the milieu of of all that stuff <laughs> yeah, that had been yeah. um, that they that they were clearly passionate about. They just like took things off the page, which is kind of in the text itself of the film. They take stuff yeah. out of yeah. these books and stories and just make them. <laughs> and right. we're seeing them. We're there. But then there's there's like really amazing performances by people who are not really actors. Oh, it feels like yeah, you're just it. it it really feels like since it's so early, it's doing what you'd want from another film, which is sort of passing over this or sorry, handing off this other time yeah. towards us. Yeah. Well, and then and then the thing that really kind of astounds me is the prescience of having this pseudo documentary style to it. It's like that wasn't they, they made that up right then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. That's not like it wasn't a thing. It wasn't a, a a trope that they were sort of carrying on. <laughs> they just said, he, oh, here, 
This is what we're doing. And how has it's now a trope? Like we see it now for sure. I mean, essentially, found footage is the same thing. And so, imp- like, it's the modern version of this shit. So, I, I just—it's so ahead of its time. Historically, it's crazy to me. historically important, not just for film, but like preserving and showing the atrocities of those yeah. like women insane asylums. Like, oh my god, ugh. yeah. That, like, god. also just the social commentary of it in and of itself. Like, <laughs> is it doesn't really blink or shy away from being like, yeah, so pretty fucked up right and again, everybody's <laughs> can everybody agree that this was fucked up that we use these tor- torture devices on people like <laughs> right and like because you have all these you know there's there's the older older people in it you know you just see the other time coming through from their eyes they have seen some shit you know and yeah. like when the film is uh extrapolate, extrapolating sort of witchcraft traditions or whatever you know like oh well this is like i'm just getting to see how witchcraft was practiced in the 1600s. Right, right. You know, this is <laughs> so good. When you see their little hovel, you just, oh, yeah. yeah, this is what it is. They have witches flying through the fucking sky <laughs> right. in this movie in 1922. <laughs> Think about that. <laughs> it was a big deal to have Christopher Reeve fly in Superman in 1970, whatever, eight it was, I think. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> 55 years earlier what the fuck and there are witches flying so it's so much right. cooler come on so yeah it's ridiculous I love it and the way it's presented matter of fact too like it is from almost you're reading from a, a student history book or something right right oh, yeah. I just love that approach to it um, yeah totally great great All good right. choice moving on my number seven Actually, hey, another black and white one. Didn't even realize it. The Lighthouse. God, this film. So I rewatched this not as part of my triple feature last night, but uh, two nights ago, three nights ago. Um, I, <laughs> I don't know what to say about it. It's great. Like... It's one of those films where, like, I feel like I have such a sort of um, passionate read on sort of the ending it's what it's about. And as immediately as I talk about it to friends, they have their own thing about it that's, like, similar but not. So that just makes it feel like it's even a deeper mystery in a way. It's got that – I love that it's just kind of like a classic fable form – of just like the simplicity, two men going crazy on an island. I love the way it's about sort of like tensions surrounding masculinity and control and yeah. and age. And uh, and then of course, like what always just seals the deal for me is anything that distorts your sense of time and reality intentionally. Oh, love it. And just like the fact that like, they, they, for me, going there in a film means when you have that scene where they repeat what at each other, like it's, <laughs> it's, it's showing it, you know, it's showing their crazy happen in a way that just yeah. feels like, of course it had to be written, but just to have that trust that it would be so good and work. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, the fact that it's just something about the sea is like, you know, always alluring and mysterious, uh. It's another realm. It's another realm. And so 
and part of that mystery, it's just so fun how that shows up in our sort of legends of, as he puts it, merfolk and the like. So right. <laughs> to have Poseidon and merfolk and then to have it actually reach these moments of like, you see the mermaid, you see crazy Poseidon creature Willem yep. Dafoe. Um, and that it's all from because he killed the gull. Like oh. that it's connected to that singular action. It just oh, thinks it's so juicy. Well, speaking of things that are connected, I'm going to blow your mind, bro, because it's my number seven, too. Yeah, great. <laughs> <laughs> it's the fucking best. It's so good. I really actually, I've watched it twice. I want to rewatch it because it's available right now. And I keep kind of passing it over because I'm like, I need to be watching it with like really direct focus and intent mm -hmm. because even though I've seen it twice, there's still language stuff that I think you miss because... It's just you're trying to catch up with the the language and the accents and whatever. But oh, totally. It, this third time watching, I keep getting so much more just hearing what they're saying. Yeah, it's crazy. It is a crazy movie on every level. And like the, the visuals alone, like the film techniques, the fact that it's in it's in three, four, right? Mm hmm. Yeah. Or, or like that. Four, three. It might even be a little tighter four, two, than four, three. Uh, like it's even more boxed. Yeah. I mean, it is a box. It's 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 so good. I mean, that decision alone, even though there's a practical reason for it, so you can see the lighthouse in full frame, but like also the 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 feeling that that gives you of the walls closing in speaks to the fucking nature of the movie itself, like the right. story. So the performances of just watching two dudes, it feels it's got kind of a place, you know, a play, like a, a stage play kind of vibe to it, but it does not feel you know, simple like a stage play. No. It's just that this construct of these two dudes having at it in the small, in the confines of this environment. It's because the, the cinematic stuff is on full display. That's why. Totally. Yeah. And that, I don't know, there's something so pleasing about the, the, you know, intersection of those two things and just dampness. <laughs> yeah. I, on my, it's like, my, my third watch for it was really tuning into and why it holds a lot of appeal for me. I'm always referencing things, putting things through the lens of uh, Grateful Dead quotes, but there's once in a while you get shown the light in the strangest of places if you look at it right. So the idea of the light source as the kind of God mm. eternal giving right. thing and that we can't find it anywhere else it's the idea of that like kind of destructive separation from god quote unquote yeah that is so destructive here and that 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 becomes their obsession and it's a literal light um and then that's right. tied to their whole just you know just tie their their sexual repression and desires from this yeah. situation to that sort of source in the way that it straight up does. Cause it's like, you have this side to them that tries to almost keep it together and have a conversation right. about something. Oh, this is our dinner time. But then it's yeah. completely off the walls. You know, you have, he's, he's axing the boat, Willem Dafoe. And then Ugh. a second later, he tells Robert Pattinson, you ax the boat. Like, <laughs> Yeah. It's, it's just all around an incredible film to the, like i just like close my eyes and think about images that pop out and it's like holy fuck remember when robert pattinson is like 
climbing the stairs of the like the spiral staircase of the lighthouse and he's in complete darkness and he like rises up into this one sliver of light across his face. It's just like that is the best kind of filmmaking to me. I (laughs) just I'm like, first of all, I just want to know how you do that. Second of all, how you think of it. And third of all, like. How brilliant to add those elements to speak to the story of what's going on in your film. Like all that that convergence of that as a, as a director is like that's everything to me. That's what you're striving to accomplish. Even if you only get it in, you know, one moment of your film, if you can have a moment like that, holy fuck. Yeah. So I, I just it's an, an incredible feat, to be honest, for me. The last thing I just want to say about it is the ending actually pays off for me or as big Mm. as it could and should be and as far as well the filmmaking itself of him looking into the light finally and to have the audio actually crackle out like that's super like lynchian stuff going on i love it and his face you know the contrast is super pushed a direction it is like he's uh looking in the bucket of truth you know he's looking in the face of something that's just beyond comprehension and acts accordingly is yep. scream it's scream <laughs> come on it's man so good. it's so good <sighs> great all right we're only on number seven <laughs> no we're on number six now well now yeah 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 or okay great now we are are we do you want to hear my number yeah. six let's get it this was six and five were really interchangeable for me this was hard oh, okay. for me to decide i even now maybe it's a little better anyway for whatever reason Audition ended up being oh. my number six. <laughs> okay. This is one that went You from, had to get some A-horror in there, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, went from a rent to a buy for me because I just I couldn't shake it. The stuff that it's about. Mm. The fact that it kind of uses the familiarity of like, I'm the the kind of, um, I mean, I haven't seen, you know, your, your typical Japanese love story, modern film or whatever in the nineties mm. film, but that, that is almost its construct for like the totally. first, however much, but then even then there's this, there's this, there's this undercurrent of like knowing something's bad is going to happen. The whole, like that's just in the filmmaking as sort of, I don't know, and all at the same time, that's being used to sort of, uh, I don't know what I want to say, like subvert, you know, of movies like that, that tell that, that love story, they're always twisted mm-hmm. in some way when they're kind of inherently sexist or one-sided from the man's point of view. So to basically just like shove, you know, shove that into the ground by the face kind of thing is what this film, mm-hmm. this film feels like it's doing. Um, the, but the, yeah, what seals the deal like that last third, when we get into crazy, what is his memory and what isn't mode along with, at the same time, we're getting more details that make us sympathize with him because this whole film, we're like, God, you're really falling for this, this woman after like everyone's, you know, your son, your coworker <laughs> is warning you not to, but we see in the last third, he gets like her, her sort of really opening up to him and being honest about all the abuse she's been through, but just not about how she now acts out revenge on all men <laughs> right. because of it. Um, boy, I, I, <laughs> 
And then to get to the actual horror stuff too, like the, trapping people is always something that like, I don't know, I like in horror, especially gets to me or the themes beyond it, especially cool. So that she's like trapped someone and tortured him in this specific way. And then, you know, forcing him to eat her vomit out of a dog <laughs> bowl, like oh the, see God. the extent that she goes to. Um, I, I just think this one is, it's a, such a classic, like, there's so much going on in it too. Like every when you when you rewatch it, every line of dialogue is just gives you something to chew on. Um, our sympathy towards all the characters is always like wavering one direction or the other. Like, sure. <laughs> uh, yeah. God, I yeah, I, 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 I I'm it's looking good. to go on like I want, but I just will go on. So, any questions yeah. for me on it? I don't no, know. No, no, I I remember thinking of, of it fondly. The color stuff that it does, <laughs> yeah. talking about changing color palettes. Just the mystery stuff, too. Yeah. The what, what the fuck's going on aspect of it was, I think, my favorite. You that, have... That kind of thing, it's very pleasing. Yeah. The whole audition angle, too. Like, we have mm. the scenes. And then later when he's fantasy, you know, thinking back on it all, he sees himself on the chair getting auditioned. Um, <laughs> so good. And then, of course, yeah, just... Great. Kitty, 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 kitty. <laughs> her, her, yeah. and her face is just oh, so perfect for it the way he plays yeah. being um uh you know uh disabled or having the what is that called um you you are the movement has been taken out of your body paralyzed you are paralyzed the way oh god the way he plays being paralyzed when it's, it's amazing she this time watching it when she accuses him of always doing this to auditioners it's like you men are all the same all you do is you know you meet women this way get their number and take them out now this has got to end but this is a whole story about him reluctantly doing it for the first time and his hand is like desperately just trying to like hit the ground like, no 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 <laughs> but then that reflects like we get thinking too well is it you do it once is it less reprehensible right. you know like Right, so good. Uh, it it holds up. I, I couldn't well, not have it on there. Of course, it does. Awesome. What's your number six, Tim? My number six is us. If you want to get crazy, we can get crazy. Yeah. Which you know, I think is kind of div divisive. Or divisive, depending on which divisive person you talk to. Um, but it, for me, it, it, it kind of checks all the boxes of things that just make me love. In a way, it's like fantasy films. I just love that you're in this other world. It's another, again, it's another realm sort of world. There's an underworld kind of thing. And... The whole movie's one big fucking metaphor anyway. So when people are like, I don't get it. Like, how are they living down underground the whole time? It's like, just stop. Stop <laughs> trying to make it literal. Right. It's not fucking literal. <laughs> it's a movie. But, yeah. Every aspect. And I think the thing about us and 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 Get Out, to be honest, um, that amazes me and, like, thrills me the most is how tightly woven and interconnected every element is. And that, I just, when I see a movie that has that going on, where it's like, I mean, Kubrick felt the same to me, you know, when I would watch Kubrick films, where like 
everything, like every piece of set decor or every outfit or every line speaks to the themes of the fucking story. And that kind of stuff just is like my – it, it really gets my kind of – my what do you want to call it? I don't know. What, what should I call it? It gets my uh, – my – my brain juice is flowing. Yeah. <laughs> In the best way. So, you know, obviously you can run down the sort of the elements that are amazing, but like they're, I think they're obvious. I think the top one is just the performances are fucking incredible. And, uh, Lapita, uh, I can't say her name. I well. think I've heard it as Nyango. Nyong'o? Okay. So Lupita Nyong'o's performance is fucking out of control. And the idea that she didn't get every piece of praise you could possibly get for that performance... Especially... Astonishes Knowing me. the twist. Like... Yeah. <laughs> that That's what yeah. she was carrying in her performance, too, which I rewatched it for the first time. Like, um, I rewatched this in preparation for this, because this was... Definitely in my top nine contender, contenders. Spoiler, it didn't make it. But <gasps> I I love this film, like, way more the second time even. Uh, dude, like, the second time I was like, holy fuck. The, the sheer aesthetics of it, just like the feel of the underground lab and the rabbits and just like oh the weird kind of like carryover 80s, 90s tone too. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's... It, for me, it's kind of like like it's what puts it above um, Get Out for me. Not that we should compare, but people do no. for obvious reasons. Same filmmaker, but I mean, just like on. the the vibe of in Get Out where he's trapped that game room. It feels mm-hmm. like this just takes that and runs with it even more because yeah. that was like my favorite stuff in Get Out. Yeah, so yeah, totally. Here we go, even more with it. Ugh, so good. Yeah, I I fucking. Yeah, and I love it. Each of their individual performances as the the Reds or whatever you call them, the, right? Their their alternate selves. Um, God, like to have and to have Elizabeth Moss doing it too, just like in there for good measure. <laughs> let alone like the family as a whole. Yeah, so oh, much man, fun. It's so fucking good. Uh, I honestly, you know, I had said this the other day. I was like, when we were talking, I was like. The idea that I don't own, by the way, everything on my list is, was a buy for me. Yeah. Like shocking, right? (laughs) But the idea that I don't actually own every single one of these movies is like, it like hurts me because I'm like, I need them. I need them all. Right. I know. I just want to watch them in delicious Blu-ray quality. (laughs) That's right. Uh, But to my- You got to wait till, um, wait till the PlayStation 5 comes out that can play 4K- on it oh cool that's 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 my uh life goal (laughs) well tim to transition to my number five uh that way this is a film that actually doesn't exist on blu-ray it only is available on dvd and something about the dvd quality of it actually works for it as akin to like 16 millimeter you know film does has an effect or something I mean, not as I would love to see this in theaters so much someday, and I do hope it gets a Blu-ray upgrade. But yes, and it works for it. The film I'm talking about, my number five, Calvaire. Oui, très bien, merci. Je vais vous préparer un bon petit déjeuner, et puis je m'occuperai de votre moteur ensuite. Y a quelqu'un? Martel? 
Oh. You knew it had course. to make it pretty high up on my list here, Tim. <laughs> if it yeah. was if I was basing it on scenes alone, it would be at my number one, because this has my favorite scene in any of the ninety-nine films we've watched. The big Oh yeah, the bestiality scene, your favorite. <laughs> no, the dance number. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the big dance number, Tim. But the, Oh God, yes. When it I, I this is so this was film one of three that I watched uh last night in my my triple screening. Um where it was yeah, yeah, that, that was my full thing. My triple screening yesterday was Calvair, Audition, and the Black Cat. <laughs> it was fun. Amazing. Jesus. Um, but Calvair, like, God, it, it holds up so well, like even better. Um, this, that it's about, it's that it, it, it's so gradual. It kind of ramps up just where you have, like when he's first breaks down his car and they're kind of like, Oh yeah, yeah, whatever. Stay here for a night. The way it ramps up, it's like gradual yet super sudden. Like then all of a sudden he's setting his van on fire. And right before that, He's nonchalantly setting it on fire or is nonchalantly breaking into it. Just like, mm-hmm. so it's, what gets me about it is just the, I don't, I don't think we've watched anything else or you very rarely see, um, kind of our, our notions of, of like how, how, what we believe creates our reality, mm-hmm. I guess. And then, what, well, it's, it's the stranger in a strange land sort of construct yeah but we're but we're the stranger but then it's and i love that because because <laughs> the stranger for everybody in the town is a stranger like right he's the weird one but they are all convinced under this mass whatever hysteria that he is this ex-wife of the the innkeepers that may that or may is... not have been made up in the first place right that is so horrifying and the, the way as that, a concept right and the, the way it switches over so it's this poor guy mark and he goes from the the innskeeper he uh he sh- he puts mark in his like uh, address and then cuts right. his already short hair with these weird little like clip clipper shears. shavers shears yeah, yeah. and he just yeah. like takes off like a third of his short hair and then all of a sudden he perceives him as a woman you know he's like, like oh yes perfect yeah yeah you're her what's i forget what's his name that he's gloria it's he's always <laughs> like gloria my gloria he marches over to the townspeople and is like gloria's back you better all stay away from her and oh then meanwhile the guy who's convinced he's lost his dog finds a young, you know, a calf of the townspeople thinking it's his lost dog. And then because that calf, they're, they're, they're having sex with it. They have a weird connection to it. They freak oh out God. and show up with guns with their hunting pig that, you oh, know, to try right. to get him back. Yeah. Because remember in this, in this land, you know, a cow is a dog and a pig is a, yeah. is a cow it, or a dog or but who knows there's there's themes on top of themes in this too that that keep me coming back because you have like our our sense of self attached to our past accomplishments mm-hmm. and sort of um our dependency on happiness being on like it's it's that tension point of feeling like you know okay you know before you meet the one tim you gotta first take care of yourself first or that's what's most important but then at the same time like we know we need connection, though. Mm-hmm. That is that tension point. And then just sort of 
what I love about the ending and why I think it's so prescient. Uh, if you remember the, the ending is he's, there's only one townsperson left and Mark's just gotten away and, you know, he's going after him with the gun. Mark's almost got away. And then this townsperson falls in um quicksand hole yeah. and is drowning. And so you have this crazy guy who thinks, you know, you're a woman and you're not, there's this, this, and he's trying to kill you and capture you because of it, calling you Gloria. It what's so prescient about it is it feels like when people have created their own reality, let's say, or are living outside of, you know, what we agree on to be healthy, whether you want it to be on flat earthers or you know, the much more dangerous areas, you know, it, it comes up against today. It asks us, the group, the the normal, you know, the what we have. Our, our, our feet the solid ground we have our feet on it can be so tempting just these people who are lost in the reality and easier to just let them sink let them go further to right. not help even though they're immediate threat to us we he just watches him die when we're feeling at the same time this is just a human maybe there's a chance you know why not save him but it's just so easier you know and tempting just to just to keep that uh, connection away, keep it separate. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's crazy. So it's, <laughs> I, I love the I love the third act of that movie. You can see it really got to me, but uh, that way, that ending. Um, but the, I mean, the build and like the way uh, that the the innkeeper plays it. Like, I really think that if we weren't reading subtitles, we would have like their performances are. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, and no that doubt. Opening with a musical number, forcing him to sing. Ugh, it, <laughs> I could go on. I won't because we got more to get to. Tim, what's your number five? My number five, and they may seem like um, cheap to to use this one, but I feel like you can't not, or I can't not because it's the greatest movie. Um, but that's why it's number five, because it's like the most solid horror film of all time, Psycho. People always call a madhouse someplace, don't they? Put her in someplace. I'm sorry. I didn't mean it to sound uncaring. <laughs> what do you know about caring? And partially why it's on my list. Like, I guess you could get I, I can justify not putting a classic like this on the list because it's so famous it, it was an exception for context that this was when we were covering all the psycho series as kind of our october halloween special so it's it's rare we'll do these classics right the known classics right but to me it's yeah i don't know it's tough it, it it's borderline the between this and like Jaws <laughs> and Alien. Mm-hmm. They're the th- the three that I bring up when somebody goes, "What are your favorite? What's your favorite horror film?" I'm like, "Well, it's one of these five, you know." And Psycho is is always one of them. So, just from a standpoint of what was going on, kind of in the film world, and who Alfred Hitchcock was, and what he was doing, and like how he made this movie, what it's sort of speaking about, everything about it, the film techniques, like all all around. Like we all know Psycho, so it's I'm not going to belabor that, but like it has to be on my list because I, A, for one, it's one of, I think it's the only, yeah, it's the only one on this list that I actually do own. 
Um, and I will regularly just watch. It's I, I, I don't think there's very few movies that I could watch essentially every day. And this would be one of them. Just have it on at your party. That's right. But but it's so much more than that, you're saying, too. I know. A hundred percent. Well, I'm curious, because you know I've really delved into the themes behind it all, but like, mm. what to you, Tim, like really speaks to you about, let's say, the Bates's situation? You know, honestly, I think that because, I mean, it's so sort of, sort of so obvious, but I have spent a lot of time uh exploring actual psychosis as a, as a thing, like in humans, behavioral, you know, abnormal psychology was like one of my kind of favorite things and most curious things. And so I, I'm super fascinated with why a brain turns out to, to do horrible things, like what led to that? And so, I mean, that's connected with why I'm kind of fascinated with serial killers and true crime just in general and mysteries in general, because I want to put the pieces together in a way that makes you go, holy shit. Yeah, it it, it is. It, it makes sense that this is the result of that. And, you know, not only that it makes sense, but that it it allows you to. Well, me, at least to not not necessarily sympathize with what you know horrible people and what they do but to just understand that they are also as as shitty and horrible as they can be they're still humans too and i think like norman is this story encapsulates that idea so fucking well to be like yeah he's psycho and whatever and a lot of people just like they throw that term around like yeah you're just a psycho dismissively like, yeah yeah but like norman is so sympathetic he's he is a product of abuse and that you know and this is <laughs> this movie is basically being like hey yeah just so you know if you fuck with your kid like bad shit will happen it's not his fault Yes, everybody has free will and the ability to potentially not do bad things. That's so definitely true. But, you know, there's a tipping point to everything. Right, but Norma thinks she's being the best mother she can. She's being good parenting. That's Exactly. Bit, yeah. I mean, there's in it and that concept, that idea of like, you know, like I I I personally had a really kind of great uh safe well-boundaried, well-structured upbringing. So like, I think that's also part of the, the interest is that it comes from being like, it's so outside of my experience that I want to understand what happened to a person that led them to do X, Y, and Z or led their brain to grow in a certain way that, that they can't, you know, they can't control impulses or whatever the, whatever the thing is that they're, dealing with that also fascinating like i definitely know people who i'm like yeah you got beat up by your dad every day of your life no, there's a reason that <laughs> like you're struggling with stuff and because and, yeah and then you start talking to that person and that person's dad got beat up by their dad every day of their life yeah. and so on and so on forever and that whole like breaking cycles and like the psychology around like abuse and you know Socio sociopathy or any of any of the 
sort of quote unquote, um, you know, the results of abuse. I find really fascinating. I think part of it is because I want to not just understand it, but like if there's any sort of like any respite from the suffering that people go through that I could provide. And and I, I think often it's not a one to one. It's not like I'm not a therapist, so I'm not that's not my job, but I am a filmmaker. And so if I can know more about that and then imbue my films with aspects of that that could at least help people understand it more or like or just look at it whatever that psycho does that for me even with that weird tail end uh speech we had a newfound appreciation for it when we watched it together absolutely we were defending it yeah so yeah so there you go psycho Awesome. Psycho <laughs> refers to much more than just Norman in title. Yep. Great. Well, so five was Calvair for me. Four, number four, more a whore. I had to put quite on. Nice. I I watched it uh, two nights ago, the big big old three hour version we watched. So wow. I mean that that's the you one to watch. It. You know, there's there's not another version as far as I'm concerned, though there right, is a right. theatrical cut down U.S. version. Um, nah. But exactly like to. Like I'm, I'm kind of sad in a way that my list is pretty scant of truly like supernatural paranormal stuff. It's so hmm. it's so rare and hard. Like I, you know, I wanted to put up the innocence and um, the one we just watched in this this list, almost Carnival of Souls, just for like what Quaidon does. It, it instilled that feeling of what you're talking about, like for from beyond dimensions right next to us. This mm-hmm. is, it's, oh. it's, it's all about that. It's, it really put me like, Oh, through, through artifice, it put me in a trance that was like real, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Actually, well, I think all the yeah. poetry, the, the style of the poetry of just depicting that is so compelling. Right. This is something I can't, I can't put it better, but a, t- a letterboxed reviewer described it as takes the experiences of watching a play, reading a book of folk tales, viewing a painting, listening to avant-garde music and having a dream and turns them into a movie. Right. It's amazing. And um, <laughs> when watching each one too, it's like each story really had something to offer as well as like the, the right. themes behind each one that it got to God, like I don't want to go down the whole list, but I mean, just, you know, when rewatching the one, the the fir- very first one, which, you know, the first ones always feel forgettable, but second time through, you know, the one where the guy goes away because he's mm. chasing after kind of, you know, definitions of success and right. like leaving his love behind that he'll always love more than the second wife. That just like, for, I don't know, that's, that's just one of the themes that like, oh, that really is on my mind a lot. Sort of this, like this, this yearning very much you know male yearning for like exploration not being tied down kind of thing you know like sure. I'm, I'm always on my own mission it's about what i want to do in the world this adventure i want to go on but then the pull of like connection one true love 
all that good stuff. And what works so well in the, the horror sense, the story what got to me is it's not just like he shows back up and, you know, it's instantly she's a ghost and twist. It's you have their whole reconciliation where they each pour their hearts out, which are essentially each of them saying in their own way, it's not your fault. It was mine. It's not your fault. It was mine <laughs> right. kind of thing. And then they've gone to bed and the spell of the night is gone. And we don't get like a lot of, oh, the, we only get the dilapidated structure when he shows up. But once it's inside, it's like, oh, this is all normal. This is all gravy. We don't have, it's like, oh, there's a reflection. He's a ghost. Only when we get to the next morning is it, no, she's dead. And he, like, the way then he ages super quick. Anyway, yeah. that's, that's, I just wanted to pick one story because I could do that for every story Absolutely. about what's so good for, what's so good about it. But just, and then from the get-go, I just got to mention the opening credits of just, like, the color, oh. the, the, those water pattern things. Instantly, just the pacing of it, it means, like, I love any film or even like song. That's why I like kind of slower, groovier songs that just say, chill, like slow mm -hmm. down. You're allowed to operate at this speed and just get, get under our spell. Like you don't yeah. need to hurry. Um, and then the sound design too is just so, <sighs> I've, I've been a big influence in my way of like just thinking of what's available, like right. discordant sounds, things that are between a sound effects and a score like this film always did it. And then also I kind of touched on it, but to say, as far as like a learning thing, like I'd always been, you know, thinking of things like, um, in terms of, uh, Oh, you know, uh, found sets or, you know, actual locations are always just 100% more interesting. The characters there in a way, you know, like always on that camp. But then comes Quiet On or, you know, where it just comes in there is like, no, that's the, the artifice of it, the design, the intentionality that you're all in a set actually takes you to another realm of real that you couldn't unless it was yeah. deliberate, like the Overlook Hotel, you know? Yeah, that forest. Yeah, the, like painted God, sun. The painted sun, the eyes Ugh. in the sky. So like good. just that alone, I had to put that this high, right? Yeah, and nothing yeah, else yeah. like it on our list. Like Mandy gets close in kind of its sky design Kinda, and stuff, yeah. but yeah. God, this is it. And some of the camera moves too. Just as far as the speed of this dolly makes me just feel ghosts mm. are here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, ghosts are here right now. Uh, yeah, it's so true. All right. I want to know, Tim, what was your number four? My number four, we just watched. It's Under the Skin. You don't want to wake up, do you? It's of all the movies we have on here and all the movies that I like, I've, I mean, I rewatch Under the Skin a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think but it's, it's, it is. It is so much because of the the eeriness of it. The music is so hypnotizing to me that I almost could just like lay there and listen to the movie without watching it and be totally like in, enthralled. Boop, and that's boop. I mean, that's crazy. <laughs> These little like. I mean, quite. It's actually kind of got some similar tonality to Quiet On in in a, a certain respect that, in, the, in the, the music that in particular. Boom, Chuck rhythm of that yeah. one piece in Under the Skin. Boom, dude. Chuck. I mean, I I just like boom, Chuck. Just the the dude underwater, 
deflating or imploding or whatever you want to call it alone puts this immediately in my top nine honestly that that film like under the skin if if it wasn't so recent i saw it for the first time i'm sure it would be up here i'm just still it's like whoo i'm just still coming down from it honestly like it's hard you know for me yeah. to, to to rate it accordingly but i i, I agree yeah i want the shot of her alien form it's a low angle looking up with the snow and the trees behind her. I want that like framed on my wall. <laughs> yeah. It's so fucking incredible. And it doesn't it would it wouldn't even really scratch the sur- surface of what the movie is, but like that image by itself I fucking like can't get enough of. Mhm. Mm-hmm. So the eeriness, just every, it like it's it does so many things for for my sensibilities, right? Like it's it's kind of titillating, but it's very uncomfortable. It's very paced in a way that makes you kind of your skin crawl. Uh, you know everybody's fucked. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the the environment is very unpleasant right like it's just the damp again like there's something about dampness (laughs) yeah (laughs) appeals to me (laughs) that was a that was a good through line in all these movies we watch we'd get excited about like caves and basements and just drippy places yes (laughs) it really reminds me of my childhood i think that's part of the why it's it's both appealing and horrifying at the same time because i grew up in such a wet like town (laughs) sucked everything's humid and damp all the fucking time like scottish you know it also is you know kind of nostalgic and all that but anyway so yeah obviously scarlett johansson i know a lot of people don't like her as an actress but this is i mean she does the performance in this is so good because it is so muted and neutral and eerie beyond me why someone wouldn't like her i don't know she's great oh i know a bunch of people who are like ugh, she's the worst she's a terrible actress okay okay whatever (laughs) anyway so you know also i just love the the methodology and determination of jonathan glazer to make it the way he made it and to you know, had to steal footage and had to, you know, be do guerrilla filming at times and using people who are local. That's you know, just, like, it's so inspiring to me when, you that's know, the best. you look at when something is just so this classic and so good, it's working so well. And you're like, oh yeah, well they, they went out there and got that shot. Just any connection to people made this is just so inspiring. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what do you got for number? Uh, wait, are we at number three? I think so. Whoa, top three. Bum ba bum. That's right, top three. Already made it. <laughs> All right, here we go. Three big ones. Whew. My number three, Tim. It's possession. That's my number three. Really? Great. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Love opens to absolutely unknown horizons. Let's both talk about it then. Um, no, so in talking about rating, you know, how I was rating these films or what was important to me, 
This one, if I was going just on how much it disturbed and scared me, this one is like number one. Like, yeah. like you know, you talking about the eeriness throughout it all. But uh, my, my friend who's a listener to the show, one of our favorite movies is The Exorcist. And he put it this way once, like when you watch The Exorcist, there's just something wrong about looking at it. There's just evil in it, it feels like. And that's just like such a, you know, <laughs> top shelf horror. Not a lot that do yeah. that. And that we found that we watched a new one that's of that ilk. Dude. Just like, come on, man. But it's and it's funny, it's because because it's that just disturbing, it made it, you know, be three versus one because I don't necessarily want to go there all the time as good and cool <laughs> right, right. as it is. But like when you talk about having to have in um Lovecraft Lovecraftian elements in Ugh. in our top ten, like this is it. This is it for me. Like God showing that monster. <laughs> yeah, man. I don't know. There's very there may be no other film that has this kind of frenetic, unsettling and and like dis it like you're disconnected from it and yet you're feeling almost sick because it's so just like you you like I just remember being like I just want to grab everybody and be like we all just need to calm down for a second from the and you cannot do it and it's from like you want to say that to the film itself like from those <laughs> yeah. opening shots where it's just like the camera's just moving circling all around kind of like a little too fast and you have you have like all this headroom around right, and it's just right. like these uncomfortable like 70s office spaces and apartments that are just so depressing like in the so as, fucking as far depressing, as that frenetic God. that freneticism too like I'll never forget just those shots of him driving on the motorcycle where he's just going. Like I've never felt a film that sort of was just like captured that feeling of just like wanting to escape. Like you're in a, a nightmare and you're running away for something. And let's say, then you find a motorcycle, you just go, you know, you just yeah. go as yeah. fast as you can, but then, you know, <laughs> crashing as a result. And then that it goes as far as this ending where it's like is the apocalypse happening like what is going on that it yeah. does push it as far as this kind of you know reality bending in its own way i think you know i think one of the the things about it that makes it elevates it to this level of like you it it, it really is remarkable is when you depict people who are quote unquote unhinged or out of control you're you kind of you have i think a lot of people have kind of one of two reactions or both you want like i said you kind of want to be like hey 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 hey, hey let's all just like take a breath or whatever but the reality is is that this movie coming from somebody who has actually suffered from depression and panic attacks and and bad anxiety and anxiety attacks it is exactly the feeling of when you're inside of a panic attack where you cannot control it and it is totally taken over and you are spiraling but you are also paralyzed mm -hmm. and like watching this movie gave me that feeling which is you know maybe the most terrifying feeling i've experienced as a person and so to have a movie that can give you that feeling in a safe way 
right? And because it is just a movie, but leave you kind of, it's almost like you, you are, uh, you, you can't shake off the, the like slime that you've been covered in by this movie. And if that, <laughs> for a while, and if how you describe it, like that, that should be enough. But then it, what puts it over the edge for me is that's then all gets increased tenfold by having it be a couple going through that. That's right. Like that's how, right. how terrifying something we should be finding solace and support in is only exacerbating. This is only a back and forth. Like, and there's a complicated kid yeah. sitting there experiencing this oh, shit around them. God, heartbreaking. I mean, that, that is horrifying. So and, like the the metaphors and the sort of themes that are in this movie are kind of endless, but it is really kind of at its core like chaos. Mm-hmm. This is what it's like to live in chaos. Mm-hmm. So strap the fuck in. <laughs> and then, I mean, the whole the twin thing where it's just like, what? <laughs> God, like, yeah, it's talking about know, rewatchability dark, and just the shadow of, self and, yeah. the, and, you know, all that stuff. It's so good <laughs> that that's in there. And I mean, just got to mention that that standout scene. Isabel, a, a Johnny is the actor. She plays Anna slash Helen that breakdown in the like the underground passageway yeah it's fucking phenomenal it's it's on every level even with the happy accidents that maybe occurred just in the way that the the groceries kind of exploded and whatnot it's definitely the most something scene out of all the scenes we've seen i don't know yeah you want to talk about indelible moments (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) that's what we mean (laughs) cool both have the same number three um well, we might both have the same number two, too. You never know. My number two <gasps> was Midsommar. Me, too! <laughs> <laughs> what am I going through? We just need to acclimate. I don't want to acclimate. I want to go. Absolutely not. What's happening? <laughs> Great. <laughs> I rewatched. I'm like, what the fuck was your number one? If if you've listened to our recent episodes, I just rewatched Midsummer for the summer solstice. Um, oh, dude! It's and I, I was freaking out about it. I'm like, Tim, this movie's the best. It's a hundred times better than the second time I saw it. You know, uh, yeah. and I'm always gonna, I think, alternate too. I went, you know, original theatrical when you and I saw it. Director's cut when that was in theaters. Theatrical is what I just watched. Now I feel like I gotta watch the director's cut again. Um. Tim, where do we start? This movie, it's it's okay. How about it's new? Got it all. N- new things that struck me this third time watching. Oh, it. cool. How about that? Yeah. Uh, Christian's character, who it's so much fun and works as like just he's a dope and a putz, and he's just so unlikable. Not only how he's treating Danny, but the other friend, uh, like you know, mm-hmm. t- taking that um, his his work he's done. There's. Once we get into that second half, once we're in the spell of it all and they're taking, you know, the mushrooms, when he's like surrounding that whole area, like when he's debating, taking the taking the the mushroom drink or whatever it is, the elixir, there's the the level of like at which I was sort of relating to or thinking about what he must be going through, which is just that kind of so deep and so nuanced and personal feeling. It feels like no one else is ever thinking about those things. 
whether it's just sheer projection or not, I was experiencing, like, I was viewing his performance, you know, as being on the level of these things. Mm-hmm. And that's just an example of why I think it overall then got to be a hundred times better. It's like, here's a movie that somehow about so much, but getting at a level that just feels so deeply personal. And I guess a lot of it may have to do, it's made from a filmmaker, you know, just even, you know, a couple years younger than me, even like just our age and observational standpoint that we're at. Um, And then sort of this themes being important and personal to me and obsessed with um, just, just their, their stuff that they're going through as couple but then on top of that like i i don't know what i i think what always brings me back even more than that is just what danny's going through as an experience as far as finding the only way she can exit this this cult of a bad relationship is entering a cult that uh people commit suicide (laughs) you know at a certain age like yeah I mean, for for me, the the sort of second or third viewing realization that I had kind of tells like says it all for for how I go. Holy shit! It's it's actually similar to what I was saying about us in in terms of how tightly woven everything is. Like Danny's this story is the story of somebody not wanting to accept that you can choose when you die because her sister made that decision for somebody else, not herself. Mm-hmm. And that is so upsetting and horrifying and, and un- seems unnatural to us. And then she steps into a world where it is the natural order of things. And she has to go on this journey to be, to come to terms with that point of view that in it, given the right sort of construct you can it is okay well i mean i'm not saying it's okay but the 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 cult is saying that is teaching her that it's okay to be the like to be the uh the the lever of when somebody else dies and that is a fucked up thing to explore yeah but ultimately she becomes her sister well, in that sense how it's like any kind of cult thing where they're working off of something that is a that is a truth or something that is helpful or real that is just not present in our our larger society. Like right. as far as like and and that, there's probably a reason. That well here I don't I yeah, but not a good one as far as just sort of like I think that's maybe from like let's say Okay. Okay. Like, let's say the primal scream therapy. You've heard of that. Sure. Like, I think that from what I've, I've gathered and I've, I haven't literally done it, you know, as far as I haven't gone to a place, but I'm like, you know what? I get that. That's an outlet that we don't have. That makes sense to me mm-hmm. that, um, they're doing that in this film as essential, like as a, as a, as a mode of reaching, you know, empathy building of like what they do, like it's so messed right, up, but right. that's, a, that's why they're screaming with her at the end when she's screaming, <laughs> when the person jumps off the cliff and doesn't die, they're screaming oh with God. them. But then you think Tim, like what's so tragic, you know what? Something maybe not that exactly, 
But there's something in that that's severely lacking in our culture that we yeah. see evidenced right up front. The real horror scenes of this movie for me that are just too relatable are when they're talking about uh, when Danny is about to come upstairs, she's just been through this hell with her family dying, is still going through it, their relationships where it's at. And he says, oh, by the way, uh, Danny's coming upstairs now and I invited her on the trip. And you feel the tension in the room where it feels like the only right thing, the only thing that's going to sort of get them all in the right place on some deep level to have that level, to, to eliminate the awkwardness would be that for them to like group hug cry it out like there's just such a right. loaded air in the room and all they but can instead, do they all just leave the room well instead they just leave the room or be like oh hey yeah no it should be fun when you come you know it's that that level of of chit chat that they're only mm-hmm. of small talk that they're operating on um so that's what i mean when i say there's aspects that are you know Definitely. lacking and that's a lot of times you know in cults we see their their aspects like care empathy all that good stuff well the con yeah i mean exactly the concept is not wrong but the there's a (laughs) there's a danger in how the certitude of your uh ideology that can get out of hand right because that's and that's how they do it because you can get you in because yeah yeah we can because we can be certain about this then they extrapolate that further in the bad way. <laughs> right. It's like, you know, the the communal aspect of their group is is great. Like, it seems all great, cool, whatever. But, like, also what exists in that is that if you pee on the sacred tree, we skin you alive. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like, oh, wait, can you have both of those things? <laughs> on and. You know what? I related to him, not in I went skim someone alive, but that hurt. And that's when he's screaming this time around that he peed on that. I was right. really feeling for him. Like I imagine just sort of imagine someone you pissing on your family's grave. Like, yeah, holy exactly. shit. Like, yeah. But that person doesn't know. Right. There's that line of like, oh, shit. But he's... You, it's but that pain is real of knowing that no one that they will never understand your pain. That's what hurts so much. You know, that they will never feel that love for your family, your ancestors, whatever it may be. Right, but, yeah, well, I mean, but also they don't deserve to die over it. No, that's what's so horrifying when, like, exactly. I, that we can, you know, re- re- you know, like, relate to the sides of the, the villagers, too. Like, right. Ugh. And get Ooh. why Danny's seduced by it all. You know, I, a friend of mine texted me the other night and she's just like, she's like, I need to watch a movie. What's a good movie I should watch? So I, I told her Midsummer, <laughs> And like 45 minutes later, she goes, what the fuck am I watching? <laughs> and she and I was like, I sort of said like, haha or something like that. And she was like, do you can you guess where I am in the movie? I was like, yeah, I mean, the hammer is coming down on somebody's head and she's like yeah yeah that's that just happened <laughs> the like, yeah, um well keep watching it's fun just the ending is just yeah that last third is just so incredible so incredible that i keep using this word a lot but it's true the spell it, it puts you under oh yeah again and, another realm right like stepping into these other realms yeah it's so good 
and it's so bright, which I think just makes it that much more unsettling. Mm-hmm. Ooh, and the the music just is pitch mm-hmm. perfect. That this is epic and important, yet we don't know what it is. Right, right. <laughs> There's always the sense of mystery there. Ugh, ugh. Yep. I don't know. All right, it sounds like we're winding down with our number two. Should we figure out our All number right. ones? So here we go. What is your, wait, what is your number one? I don't, it's ghost ship, isn't it? <laughs> Tim, <laughs> it's wrong turn. No! <laughs> I'm kidding. Oh, good. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> My number one, Tim, is part of a box set by, even though I already own it. It's got to be Psycho. Oh, good. Oh, I... thank God. Oh, thank God. <laughs> Even though Eliza Dushku isn't in it, I still had to give it my number one. Even though I was very nervous. Even though it doesn't have cannibalistic hillbillies, inbred hillbillies, (laughs) it still is uh, my number one. Psycho. Um, Okay, good, because that makes makes the most sense. I was like, what the fuck would it be? So the thing, I will say some of these other movies on our list, and even that didn't make the list, I feel like are almost more rewatchable for me. Hmm. Um, or you know, s- scare me more or whatever. But sure, sure. What the, why I had to put it as number one, two specific reasons. The main one, it it hadn't happened to me for so long where I kind of had gotten obsessed with something like I did with Psycho as just a franchise. Like mm. you know, because a year before we watched all four of them, that was inspired by the previous October. I watched all four movies. Um, and then, and I watch all five, I watch the remake too. And then, um, one of the, the only show that I've watched during quarantine here still was the, um, Bates Motel. Nice. So I just can't, I can't deny that this, the, the, the world that it delivers is, is just something that's, I don't know, an, an endless treasure chest to be, to be, to dip into, um, the, the Norman Bates's character, I think just like, I don't know. I, I I just can't think of anything that tops it right now for me as far as just like a character in a, a horror film and uh, what their plight has to offer, <laughs> you know? Um, Boy, do I. <laughs> and then uh, it's a little, little, little but not insignificant thing why I want to put it the number one. It had the single most heartbreaking shot in any movie ever. I mentioned this in our episode on it, but there's, it's, it's not one of the classic shots, but hit me so, so hard. Uh, was there's a little, there's a shot of Norman's little stuffed toy rabbit from when he was a kid sitting in his childhood room. Yeah. And I almost just want to like, leave it at that, (laughs) you know, as far as, uh, the, the power behind behind that, how it reached me, I could, I could go on, but I don't know. You get it. Yeah, exactly. You the listener. <laughs> exactly. But uh, Norman Bates, man. And I, and yeah, so I mean, I kind of like include the sequels and Bates Motel and just the larger world, the larger sure. all of it within this and my obsession with it. Um, God, and, and just, yeah, it's a horror story about it. Straight up, guy dresses up at his mother, kills people, super repressed, all that good stuff. Classic, 
classic. Doesn't get any better. I couldn't have it not as my number one. The most classic. Yeah. Well, as you maybe know, my number one is Mandy. (laughs) Yeah, but you haven't said it yet. Duh. (laughs) Duh, duh, duh. Which I think is interesting because your number nine was Mandy. We've bookended this with Mandy. Mandy to Mandy. But, you know, I don't have much else to say other than what you said. But the idea, the concept of a modern fantasy, it's not even modern, but like a fantasy film taking place in the era that fantasy films were most popular. (laughs) Yeah. Is like the fucking most genius thing I can imagine. (laughs) And I just can't, I can't get enough of it. You know, it's, I think also, you know, I loved that shit as a kid, you know, any, um, I think there's a term for it, but it's like the sandals and, uh, sword and sandals and and kind of, I've already heard sword and sandals or sword and sorcery. (laughs) So, yeah. So the swords and sorcery one is probably the one I like more. You know, there's like Beastmaster and like, you know, Excalibur and uh, uh, what's the one? Your the, Highness. Um, yeah, Your Highness, that one. <laughs> no, um, I, I kind of like that. There's I mean, like Prince Prince Valiant, you know. I mean, like, I was huge on Hercules, you know, <laughs> like. Oh, yeah? That's, that's it. Too. I loved Knights in Armor shit growing up. Ivanhoe. You try and watch Ivanhoe again. It is a slog. Mm-hmm. But like as a kid, I was super into it. Any King Arthur shit, all that stuff. So like to see this, Conan the Barbarian, that like I loved all of it. Army Red of Darkness. Sonia. Yeah. I mean, it just is super pleasing. The magic of it, the sort of just the weird ethereal quality of it. This the the ability of Panos to it is Panos right like Mm -hmm. I'm not misremembering right okay so his ability to kind of imbue this tale with all of those things and yet keep the nostalgia of the early 80s as the backdrop is like the greatest it's like it's so pleasing to me (laughs) like everything about it is pleasing 1983 AD or yeah I forget (laughs) the exact year but that just says it all right there. Yeah. That even Man, though it's the 80s, the f- put AD on it. The filming of it is astonishingly like everything I love. Mm-hmm. And like beyond things that I could even like imagine that I would love until I saw it. It's also very wet. Oh, so damp. <laughs> just thinking of it. like the the warriors. What are they called? I forget. The night. Oh, I don't remember yeah. what they're called, but. It's a great word for them. They're all wet. Ugh, it's just so fucking good. I and it's a, you know, it's a, it's a like, you know, uh, it's sort of got that video game vibe of like, you got to get through all of the, the lower end people to get to the boss. And yeah, <laughs> it's just, it's such a, it's such a good, like, um, journey, like hero's journey kind of thing. But with this horrific backdrop, I just... I it's loved uh, a touch I loved this time around. I just watched it. Was that their supercharged evil LSD that's like in the goop form yeah, that the yeah. guys that the guys eat for them? It's just like they can eat handfuls of it. And then we see how powerful it is if you just touch like a little drop of it on your tongue. <laughs> yes. So good. I love it. So there you have it. 
Woo. We did. We Top did it. Top nines. Thank Work, you. Worked. Awesome. Awesome. And yeah, so now just some other other honorable mentions, just some like mm-hmm. bias that we had that didn't quite make it. For me, um, Juwan the Grudge, of course, that just as a box set by... You mean the 2021? No. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Juwan the Grudge. Um, r- recent ones... Uh, Carnival of Souls and Fiend Without a Face. Dude, got I mean, so good. I wasn't surprised Fiend Without a Face. You know, I wouldn't have been surprised to see that on one of our lists. Um, society, what it, yeah. where it goes to. Uh, 2000 Maniacs. Uh, so much fun. You had Hexen. That almost made my list from beyond. Uh, another Lovecraftian one that I really would have had, uh, loved to have up there is In the Mouth of Madness. Yeah. You know, one Sam Neill film, maybe is enough. Um, <laughs> early buy it for us is Onibaba. Both yes, really love that. I have that, that one. on my buys too. Um, then The Innocence. Uh, mm. I had Us, you know, Tim talked about that. And then Psycho 2 and 3, both big shout outs. And then um, Opera and One Cut of the Dead. Yeah, I've got a bunch of those too. So yeah, Fiend Without a Face, One Cut of the Dead, um, The Stuff. Yeah. Um, opera, Onibaba. I also have Starry Eyes, but it's not because I think it's a good movie, but it's because it just, for some reason, is it just appeals to me. Right, right. What it offers, not a lot does. Yeah, yeah. It's fun. All right, cool, dude. Great. Should we should we run through the bottom nine? Oh, our bottom nine. Well, that would be a different section if we're keeping up with our section. That's sections. what I mean. Should we get into Let's that do section? It. All right. Enough with all the great stuff. Let's see the bottom of the barrel with what did not work. Don't forget, that was just part one. There's a whole nother part. Get into part two. We love you. Ah.